0: This episode is brought to you by Shit Audio, manufacturers of sanely priced DACs, amplifiers, preamplifiers, and EQ devices. Click the link in the show notes for more information.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Darko Audio Podcast. With me today is coming back from sunny Island, Srajan Ibayan. Welcome, Srajan. Hello, hello. And today, Srajan, we're going to do something that we've done once before as a test. But this, I guess, is the first sort of formal, official time we've done it, in that we're going to review a product in podcast format, right?
2: Right. And we both
1: are going to review it, correct? Well, I'm going to contribute. I mean, you're leading this show. <laughs>
0: so, oh, <boy. laughs> uh,
1: well, you know, it, it could, obviously it's going to be a conversation, but I would like you've spent more time. We're talking about headphones from Mark mm-hmm. Levinson. They're Bluetooth headphones, noise cancelling headphones. They're called the number five nine zero nine. And I, I am I correcting thinking that this is your first Bluetooth headphones, Rajan, or?
2: Not only that, but it's actually my first ever Mark Levinson review, and I've been doing this for 20 years. I've never reviewed anything by them.
1: Right. Yeah, I I don't know why. Maybe because a lot of their stuff is just crazy expensive, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, what
1: do you know about the company? Not very much. Only what I read on your website as a sort of prep for this.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So so maybe I'll just uh, very briefly cover it. If we go back into the beginnings of high-end audio in the US, Mm-hmm. The name Mark Leviton looms. Many credit him with actually having started high on audio per se, at least in the US. So he founded a company named after him in 1972, which I believe is the year that you were born. Exactly the year I was born. Yep.
0: Yep. 50 so this year. half a century, this company
2: <laughs> is old. And he ran it until 1980, mm-hmm. when it then uh, sold. And it sold to Madrigal Audio in 1984. And since 1990, Harman International owns it, which means it's now part of the Samsung Group. Correct. So it's basically yeah. a multinational company.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Mark Levinson lost the right to use his own name because they considered him a walking trade name. Mm. And so the company he runs now is called Daniel Hertz. He can no longer use his own name in the audio business, but he hasn't Ooh. been with the company since 1980. And oh, yeah, for that's Brand, that's for Mark Leviton, this I believe is the first ever Bluetooth headphone that they've made. And they come out with it and they price it at a thousand euros, which I don't know whether that actually is the most expensive one currently to market, but it's certainly one of the more expensive ones, correct?
1: It, so it was for the first sort of, six months or so of it sort of being in the market and then it was trumped by uh what's the german company is it tidal who made a made a bluetooth headphone or sort of a hybrid home listening bluetooth headphone which sells for about 1300 or maybe it's not tidal oh goodness me you don't mean tna i mean tna that's exactly who i mean thank you right so i knew it was a t and i knew it was german um yeah t plus r um yeah theirs is 1300 but yeah for six months this Mark Levinson was, yeah, the most expensive Bluetooth noise-canceling headphone on the market. I mean, let's face it, a grand is mega money for a Bluetooth noise-canceling headphone for most people,
2: right? Uh, I would think so. So I have to, uh, let's get back to your age, 50 years old, mm. and for you sometimes <laughs> calling certain things an old man's problem. Yep, I, can, I sometimes okay. do that. You're right. Yeah. Okay, I'm 60 years old, so I have even bigger problems than you have on that <laughs> score. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so as far as Bluetooth goes and as far as using a smartphone as my music device, mm-hmm. I'm not really with it. Right. I didn't grow up around it, and I've never really embraced it. So I actually reviewed this headphone as a high-end stationary headphone, like you would a hi-fi man or you know, a a Focal, a Sennheiser, Mm -hmm. that's how I've treated it. Um, And now I also have to say that uh, because I'm 60, maybe I'm a dinosaur, I have an issue with Bluetooth. Mm -hmm. And I don't exactly know why. I looked it up and Bluetooth and Wi-Fi both transmit at 2,400 gigahertz to 2,500 gigahertz, and then Wi-Fi also on the 5 gigahertz band. Mm -hmm. And when we are talking about landlines, you know, the, the handheld sets. They mm. go many, many years back. I never had any issues. And they transmitted at two point four gigahertz.
1: Okay, when you say issues, are we, am I are okay, we to the, ask issue,
2: <laughs> the issue is that I my brain starts feeling like a wet noodle. It's huh. a really, really bad feeling. And my wife mm. actually gets migraines. And that happens the minute mm. we turn on uh the Wi Fi on our router. We cannot mm-hmm. turn Wi Fi on, on our MacBook or on my iMac, mm-hmm. the same thing happens, and you don't have to be in the same room, you, you know the moment it happens. But I can use the magic mouse and keyboard on my Apple, mm-hmm. on my iMac, just yeah. fine. No problem. And that's Bluetooth, is it? It's Bluetooth. It's the same frequency. So I don't know what the difference is. It must have to do with the, uh, the, the strength of the radiation. So I was very, very curious whether I could actually use this Bluetooth headphone mm-hmm. without this wet noodle syndrome in my brain. And, and? I cannot. Oh, you can't? Okay. Cannot. Wow. The moment I turned this thing on, it started. The moment I turned it on. It's oh. so unlike the, a, a keyboard or a mouse, a Bluetooth mouse that I can use, mm-hmm. at least the one from Apple I can, this one I could not. So, I had to review this headphone as a wired headphone. And so, compare it to other wired headphones that don't even pretend that, you know, noise canceling or Bluetooth.
1: Well, I'm glad you've done this actually, because I have some thoughts about this headphone because you had it for a few weeks, right? And then you sent it to me, and I've had it for a couple of weeks. And I've got some overarching thoughts, and I've done comparisons to other noise canceling Bluetooth headphones that are pretty popular with most people. So, we can cover both ends of the spectrum. It doesn't have to just be like home listing and things like that.
2: Right. So I think we should probably start with um, the look and and the wear. And I had seen the photos before I got it. And when I got it and I packed it, I have to admit that I'm a little bit him-ho about Mm -hmm. the appearance. Mm-hmm. And so I should clarify that by saying that my probably favorite cosmetic design for a still affordable headphone is the, the Meze Audio uh, 99 Classic. Mm-hmm. I, I reviewed that. I had it for a while, and then I bought the, uh, the, the plastic version, which is called the Neo Classic. Yeah. And it's like plus minus 329 euros, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And to me, that design is really simple. It's very straightforward. Um, I really, really enjoy it. Now with this particular one, it's the combination of this sort of turbine looking back mm-hmm. with, the, with the, the red trim and the Mark Levinson name in it. And then you have this sort of oval concave rim around it that is really, really shiny and glassy. And it looks very plasticky. Mm. I mean, it, 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 you know it could be gold, but it looks to me plastic and it's shiny. And then the actual body is matte. And then you have this high contrast stitching headband, which sort of looks like a fancy um, dress band on a, on a man's watch. So I found sort of the, the cosmetic cues a little, um, I didn't find them very coherent. I didn't find the uh, industrial design sort of as slick and in the can mm. as Demese. And that surprised me because I thought, well, this is a company a multinational company with incredible resources. Mm. There's no way that they would be outdone by some little designer in uh, in Romania that runs a small boutique firm. But uh, to to my eyes, they are outdone by by the Meze. Which is not to say that the fit and finish isn't really nice. I I'm just curious what you think about the look. Right before we before i give you my my my
0: thoughts
1: on things well two things actually i should explain that there's a thunderstorm going on outside right now so if you can hear that it is real thunder secondly if you're listening to this on spotify or apple podcasts know that i've got some show notes that accompany this podcast on my website darko.audio and in that post there will be photographs that you srijan have taken of these headphones right Mm -hmm. now in terms of my opinion of <laughs> the, the sort of black and red look, and I know that this is not the first company that's done this. I always think that sort of black, red, and a bit of silver is when a company is really going after dudes, but dudes who kind of grew up maybe in the eighties, you know, and had a sports car poster on the wall, you know, and that was a re- always a red car, and they had in the UK this is the case, right? They're sort of their bedroom was done out with sort of matching black, grey, and red colors, and matching like duvet set and things like that. And I think it's it kind of it to me it speaks to that sort of teenage men- mentality. I'm I'm with you. There isn't the sort of the elegance of a Meze design, but I still think it's it's inoffensive and it risks being a little bit bland because you wouldn't call it stylish, but then it doesn't necessarily. I think when you try and make a headphone stylish, you you alienate as many people as you attract. And I think I think Mark Levinson or whoever's designed this is, has tried to play it safe a little bit. You know, like I mean, mm-hmm. I'm looking at you now, Sujan, I know other viewers can't see it, right? And you're seeing me. I'm wearing a pair of Sony headphones that are about hundred bucks. They're cheap and plasticky, right? They they're nowhere near the level of no, they're not. Le- not at all. But you're wearing a pair of Final D8000, and that's a $3,000 headphone or thereabouts.
0: Yeah,
2: thereabouts.
1: And I I love the look of those. I've got a pair just like them. Um, And I guess, I mean, are they, I don't know. I look at these and I put them next to, say, a pair of Apple or a pair of Bowers and Wilkins PX7S2 or the new Sonys, and they don't scream to me that they are twice or three times the cost of their rivals. Mm Mm-hmm. They're good enough. I mean, they do sort of connote luxury, but it's sort of like that you're traveling businessman, maybe your Bose buyer. You know, the guy that kind of looks at um, the quiet, comfort, noise cancelling headphones, and maybe sees the new design and just thinks, "Oh, that's a bit too out there." So, I guess conservative really is what is what I'm getting at here with the sort of the look and the feel, even with the sort of the red accents. I mean, I'm 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 not a fan of red and black, personally speaking. I look at the Dan Clark Stealth the same way, right? I'm sure it's an amazing sounding headphone, but that red and black doesn't do it for me at all.
2: Well, in fairness, we must add that this is only one out of three different finishes. That's just what they happen to send us.
1: Right. Okay. So do you know what the other finishes are? Because I I think
2: one is gray and one seems to be all red, but I have not been able to dig up an actual image of the all red.
1: Okay. I, I just thought it was black when it maybe when I just remember the initial announcement. But yeah, okay. But we so we're talking about the the black pair, really, aren't we? Yeah, but, yeah. But it's not
2: and offensive, though, is it? It's no, not- no. I didn't find it offensive. I was just not as enamored with it as I am with the Mezzo for you know a lot less money. Mm-hmm. But now we have to add that the Mezzo is a traditional you know passive headphone. This one has active mm-hmm. electronic circuitry in it, and it also had to find room to sort of hide some buttons. And at mm-hmm. the same time, make those buttons economically reachable mm-hmm. with volume up, down, and engaging the noise canceling, et cetera. So it actually had more to do than a standard headphone. What mm-hmm. I did like was the single entry uh, cable. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that that cable is going to tangle around your neck. It's just right. hanging down on one, on one ear cup. And I like the fact that it's using USB-C. Yeah, right. Because that means that if anybody is seriously into like cable rolling, I don't know whether this particular audience would be, but if you if you wanted to, it would be very easy to secure a cable from any aftermarket company, because USB C would be very very easy to to find as a termination. It's not a proprietary kind of a thing.
1: So did you go USB C to USB C, or did you go no three and no, a half? I went
2: annual. I went USB C to six point three mil. You know, it's a standard plug. And we should say that they have two cables included, and the one is very long. It's actually four meters long. Because they definitely are
1: thinking about the home listener with this editor. They they definitely are. So this is
2: sort of like a a, a dual-use or dual-application kind of a design. Mm. Now, what did you think about the fit? Because I don't know why, but I didn't expect it to be an on-ear. It's not an over-ear or a circumnaural, as I call it, it actually sits on my ear. And to me, that means after a while, I get sort of sweaty ears. I I found them a little small. You know, I mean, if I look at at the ear and the amount of space it takes to sort of go around the ear without touching the earlobe or without touching anything, for me, this was a little bit on the small side, which is why I would call it more like an on-ear. And- See, I, I wouldn't
1: because I think this is a fairly typical for a size of a a noise cancelling. Well, the other models that I have have here are all sort of similar with the ear cup. though I think the Bowers is a bit. You're right. It's the Bowers and Wilkins goes a bit further around the ear. This one, I think, I don't think they aimed for, for it to be on ear. I think they aimed for it to be over or so, circumaural rather, and maybe they've gone for the sort of smaller end of the circumaural design. I mean, I'm just just sort of feeling that the Sony's that I have on my head, they're kind of similar, you uh-huh. know, they, they just touch the edges of the ear and I'm with you. I then, I mean, I think actually I'm just leaning forward again. I mean, I'm looking at the Apple, but I think the, the sort of cavity in which the ear is designed to sit
2: is it's very comparable. It, in fact, it, it's the, similar, uh, right? yeah. In fact, the Mark Levinson has a slightly bigger opening. They both go for the oval form factor rather than the, the round one. That the ones that I'm wearing right now—they're round.
1: Okay, we're going to get into the granularity of this. So, with the AirPods Max, I find that the ear cups—well, they're they're much—they're sh- not as wide; they're, they're shallower, and they tend to hang, sort of down the side of the head more than sort of c- clasp the head a little bit as the Mark Levinsons do. There's more side pressure from the Mark Mm -hmm. Levinson than I get from an Apple. But I I would say that I like the comfort factor of the headband on the Apple more than the the Levinson. I think the Levinson is just not quite there for longer listening. It doesn't bug me that much, but I guess after a couple of hours, it might do.
2: I had the same finding. I found the clamping force for my rather big head a little bit on the high side, Mm -hmm. which means the amount of pressure that the phones exert on my ear. And I mm. found uh, the uh, what I call the skull patch, you know, where the headband actually touches you at the crown of the head. Mm-hmm. I found it a little bit hard. And it sounds like a wine, but the fact is that's a very sensitive spot on the it top is. of the head. And I find that after a while, if there's any kind of pressure or something that's too hard, it creates a sense of, of, of discomfort. And so yes. I did not find these as comfortable as the meses. That I flipped back and forth was just to have something to compare that didn't cost three or €4,000. Euros.
1: But to be fair, though, those Mezes, I think, are some of the most comfortable passive headphones at that sort of price point that I've ever tried, like ever, of all of them, all, all the headphones I have in this house, that you can just wear those for hours. They're just, they, you don't feel like you feel like you're wearing them. Just to bring the Bowers & Wilkins PX7S2, the new one, back in, as a glasses wearer, I find the side clamping force on those which is probably even a little bit firmer than the mark levinson it does trouble me where I'm, when i'm wearing my specs so if i'm mm-hmm. going outside yeah i don't know how long i'll be able to wear them for there's just a little bit too much side pressure which i don't get from the sony 1000x m5 which is probably the lightest and the easiest to wear of all of them so the Sony's probably closest to the meze in terms of comfort um but i haven't really dug too much into the sony sound i'm afraid so we won't give you too much on that one in this episode, but down the line I might. But yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think the Mark Levinson are the most uncomfortable Bluetooth headphone that I have here, but they're not the most comfortable. I probably give that over to the Sony, I think, actually, or maybe the Apple. But it, the way the Apple sort of hang down the side of my head bugs the shit out of me. If I'm honest, it really annoys me because I want to love these oh. headphones more than I do, and that's the number one reason that I don't is because when I'm walking outside, they kind of swing a little bit just on the ears, a little bit sort of left and right, mirroring my foot pattern. And that's annoying. I want a nice sort of firm fit without it kind of yeah, irritating. So it's. I think that's really hard to get right, especially if you wear glasses.
2: So the next um, topic might be uh sensitivity impedance and how that relates to the amount of uh gain that the source requires and mm. since i'm not somebody to use so-called smartphones for portable audio mm. i used uh, a uh, digital audio player from a company called a sound aware and mm-hmm. it's called the Esther. and this goes back probably some eight or ten years when Digital audio players, especially from China, were all the rage. Just be- mm-hmm. before people transitioned to using smartphones with really, really good in-built DACs mm-hmm. as their, you know, their, their single device. And like all of these DAPs, digital audio players, this has three different gain settings, mm-hmm. low, medium, and high. And the volume control maxed it out as, at 99. So zero mm-hmm. is mute and 99 is full blast. And I had to run these at 75 or higher in high gain.
1: Okay. So from a passive listening point of view, they're they're quite inefficient.
2: Well, it surprised me because ostensibly this headphone is designed for mobile use. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really familiar with what the current crop of digital audio players and or smartphones does in terms of power. Into the kind of impedance that these headphones present. But I was kind of surprised that I was living in the in the in the last quadrant of mm. high gain of a specialty digital audio player that was designed to only do music. It doesn't take pictures, it doesn't answer phone calls, nothing. And oh. this was one of the better ones I reviewed. I noticed the same thing on the desktop. DAC slash preamp slash headfi amp that I use. It's an iFi, mm-hmm. an IDSD Pro signature, and these were less efficient than my big uh, final D8000. Huh. They were also less efficient than the uh, the mezze. And I'm huh. not saying there is anything wrong with that. I was just slightly surprised that they weren't geared more towards sort of like flat chested small power. You know, smartphones are, you know, more inexpensive digital audio players that just don't have the power.
1: But this is invaluable intel, right? If somebody's buying a pair of these these Mark Levinson headphones with a view towards splitting them between the Bluetooth usage and then sort of passive usage at home with a proper sort of headphone amplifier, you're telling us that that headphone amplifier needs to have a bit of a get-up-and-go and probably a normal smartphone with a headphone socket if it has one, or a dongle DAC, or even the headphone output on most, and I'll say most because I'll disqualify modern MacBooks because they have a bit more grunt behind them. But generally speaking, you'd need some sort of dedicated amplification, right?
2: Well, that's, I think, where I need some of your expertise. (laughs) In terms of what have you tried these particular headphones with for portable use? Like, did you try them on one of your smartphones?
1: Yeah, but I've only ever used the Bluetooth input. I just use them as Bluetooth oh. noise cancelling headphones. I would, I guess this is a prejudice of mine, right? So if I want to listen at home, I'll use a home listening pair of headphones. Like I'll just get, and it'd probably be open back as well. Although there are some very good backs, like the Eon 2 from Dan Clark. Fantastic back headphone, which is 800 euros, a bit cheaper than the Levinson. And if all I was doing was listening at home, I'd probably say go for the Dan Clark and then get um a headphone amp and a DAC and things like that but I look at the Mark Levinson as more of a as a which is why I've kind of compared to the rival to the Apple and the uh the Sony and the Bowers and Wilkins so that was the angle at which I came at these I didn't I, I just I know that some headphones they have the cables in the box the, the Bowers do it I think that you can plug them in you can I think you can go USB to USB well, You certainly could with older models which is quite useful if you've got a a smartphone with a usb c socket but in terms of how much that drains the power and also why like what <laughs> i mean bluetooth yeah it shaves a little bit off the top of sound quality but for me it's not enough to have to introduce a wire whereas if i'm at home then it's a different it's a completely different listening scenario for me
2: okay so let me ask you something because this comes as a surprise to me so with bluetooth you can't give me feedback on how high on the volume you sat, in other words, how much did oh. you have left before you maxed out?
1: in terms of the, what the sort of the, the 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 volume on the phone itself when I'm using Bluetooth? Yeah. yeah, it was about halfway.
2: okay, so we've covered that. I guess now one thing that we should mention is that the driver in this headphone is a forty mil beryllium drive. Mm-hmm. What's the big deal about beryllium? This I may have reviewed loudspeakers that had beryllium tweeters, but if I mm-hmm. did, I don't remember. So this is the first time that I have knowingly listened to a beryllium driver. Right. Now, a beryllium is a harder material than uh, aluminum,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: even harder than beryllium would be diamond. And the reason why driver manufacturers that make tweeters, or in this case headphone drivers, go after ever harder materials is they don't want the diaphragm to break up. Because when it breaks up, it distorts. Now the harder it is, and it also has to be light. So the more rigid and the more light it is, the more we push up these breakup modes beyond human audibility. So an aluminum driver tends to break up at 23 kilohertz. Mm -hmm. And you might think, well, big deal, I can only hear to 20 kilohertz, and that's when I'm like 10 years old. I'm 50 years old now. I can only hear to 15 kilohertz. Mm. What should I care if the bloody driver breaks up at 23 kilohertz? Well, it turns out that there is something called intermodulation, whereby whatever happens slightly out of band does become audible, especially in the upper end that we can still hear. Right. And the best way that I've heard uh, a loudspeaker manufacturer explain it to me once, he said it sounds a little bit like rust, as though there was rust in the sound. Huh. So when manufacturers go from alum- aluminum to beryllium, they very often manage to push the first breakup mode from, let's say, 23 kilohertz for aluminum to 35 or 40 kilohertz for beryllium. Mm. And then if they go to diamond, they may have their first breakup mode at 70 kilohertz. And so that the higher you, you push that first breakup mode out, sort of like digital upsampling, the less problems you cause in the audible range and the sound will actually get sweeter. It won't get harder. And so there's Mm -hmm. this myth in audio that hard tweeters sound harsh and that soft dome tweeters, fabric dome tweeters, silk dome tweeters sound sweet and softer. Mm -hmm. Now the problem with hard dome tweeters isn't that they're hard, it's that they're not hard enough. So as one goes from the softer aluminum to the harder beryllium to the ever harder diamond, the sound gets sweeter and 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 clearer. Mm. So beryllium already is a quite big step up over aluminum.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so what I noticed when I compared these headphones to the Meze, mm-hmm. that they sounded crisper and brighter. Now, I have to be careful when I use the word bright, because yes. the audiophiles, that always means that <laughs> the top end is forward. That's not what I mean. I mean the same brightness applied all over, from the highest sound to the lowest sound. It's just as though you were on stage, and instead of having the stage light slightly dimmed for sort of like a moody setting, Mm -hmm. you turn the stage lights all the way on, so there's no more shadows. And everything from the front row to the farthest row, left, right, is equally illuminated. There was a quite clear difference in this sort of sense of illumination or clarity or resolution that the Mark Levitson had over the messe. The messe mm-hmm. sounded softer, it sounded warmer, it sounded mm-hmm. bassier, it sounded sort of slightly cuddlier. And <laughs> uh, a former reviewer, Chip Stern, he used to talk about comfort sound.
0: Mm-hmm. He
2: said lots of potatoes, lots of gravy, and you know, long cooked meat that sort of falls off the bone. Big portions, lots of gravy. To him, that was comfort food i.e. comfort sound. And so the meze are a little bit like that.
1: Absolutely, I would agree with that, 100%. Yep.
2: So by contrast, the Mark Levinson is a more sort of quote-unquote serious high-end sound and that it, it it takes resolution up a notch. Mm. Or I, I would say quite a few notches. And I would also say that if the meze is deliberately voiced to be sort of a fun, sort of slightly boisterous, slightly bottom-up
0: mm-hmm. sound,
2: that the Mark Levinson is more tuned for, okay, watch for it, neutrality.
0: (laughs) Now, that word is terrible
2: (laughs) because we don't know what neutrality is. But I think what people mean when they say neutral, I think they mean linear. And linear means that nothing really stands out. Now, linear could mean flatlined, like a completely Mm -hmm. straight line left to right. But linear could also mean a slight teeter-totter. Like, if the bass is slightly up and the treble is down by the same amount, like a teeter totter where the left side is up yeah. and the right side is down, mm-hmm. that would still be linear. But it would be linear with a bass emphasis. Now, if we tip the teeter totter the other way so that the treble sits higher, not by much, hmm. and the bass is slightly down, if it's still a straight line, it would still sound linear, but it would also sound a little bit sort of illuminated on the top.
1: It would sound now, a bit tipped we, up, yeah, yeah.
2: If we start about a more contoured response, we might have a smiley face response, where the bass is up and the treble mm. is up, and the mid range is sort of depressed. Mm-hmm. Or we might have a frowny face response, where the bass is down, the treble is down, and the mid range is really emphasized. That would not be considered neutral, or that also would not be considered linear.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It would sound voiced. It might be very pleasant, but that's not what I heard with the Mark Levinson. To me, mm. the way that they communicated, they communicated to be linear. They were not bassy, and they were definitely not top-end heavy either. So, from my perception, they sounded neutral. But now I explain what I mean by that. They sounded neutral in the sense of that they were linear, that they were not, they didn't have sort of rises and valleys in particular areas. Mm. Now, that, that may sound peculiar when you know that they were voiced according to the Harman curve. Yes. But that's what the company makes a big deal about. And yeah. I must admit that I don't know that much about the Harman curve, mm-hmm. what exactly that entails. I have seen headphone measurements. But if you're used to loudspeaker measurements and you first look at headphone measurements, you can't make heads or tails of it. No. Because it looks very, very nonlinear. Because we are talking about how our ear responds to sound that originates within like centimeters from it. Mm. That that doesn't first go to a room. So what the ear perceives to be linear requires a frequency response that looks very non-linear on paper.
1: Which is why you tend to see the the, the corrected version also displayed on the same graph, right? So corrected for the distortions applied by the head, the outer ear, the inner ear, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, because I mean, when I look at <laughs> headphone frequency response measurements, I'm like, what? <laughs> What's going on there? But then you realize that, OK, that's to compensate for maybe um, a part of the ear that would kill a certain frequency. So they sort have to boost it. Another part of the ear will elevate a certain frequency, so they have to bring it down in order for it to be perceived by the eardrum as a sort of flat response. Right. That's my understanding. Yeah, and I think well, the I mean, I'm, I yeah, the Harman curve. I've read a bit about it, but it's basically it's it's basically the 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 target response that many people prefer in a
2: double blind listening test that's been my understanding it's sort of like a consensus yes uh, majority rule type response that the most number of people found the most pleasing right so so if you if you're a manufacturer and you're trying to to win the most converts you want to obviously make the sound in such a way that most people find it pleasing and that seems to be a proven recipe by now that the harman response seems to predict quite uh, accurately mm. what people like and that's why i would be curious whether whether the voicing of these headphones whether it struck you as contoured or did it strike you personally as how i explained neutral ie linear because the, the messes definitely are not. No. So I would
1: absolutely say that compared to the AirPods Max made by Apple, um, the, the Mark Levinson, to me, communicate a, definitely a feeling of neutrality. And they don't have the sort of the base wallop and thwack that the Apples give us. Now, whether that's accentuated, I don't know. If I had to guess, I would say yes, a little bit. The beryllium tweeter thing is, or sorry, the beryllium driver thing is quite interesting because I agree. Everything seems to be more lit up compared to the Apple headphone and that manifests as better layer separation. So you can definitely hear the sort of strands of instruments more clearly through this Mark Levinson than you can through the Apple. It is not an enormous night and day blows out of the water, destroys everything else difference, but it's still there and it's still worth noting. And I guess if you ask me, well, okay, which which head, headphone, the Apple or the Mark Levinson, is the most transparent, I would, for m- most of the frequency spectrum, point to the Levinson. Not all of it, but what I like about the Mark Levinson that I don't like about the Apple is the Apple sometimes, by contrast, sounds a bit veiled in the sort of upper mid-range, which I think is t- actually fairly typical of these sort of Bluetooth noise-canceling headphones, and I'm talking about using it in Bluetooth mode, right? So, and I should specify here, and we can get to this if you want to, but with the Levinson, I use an Android phone, a Google Pixel 6, which engaged the LDAC codec, which is on every Android phone nowadays pretty much. But with the Apple AirPods Max, I paired that with an iPhone 13 mini. That's obviously using the AAC codec because the AirPods Max don't do LDAC. And not does the, the iPhone either, so it's very much an AAC thing. So I basically, I chose those two phones in order to maximize the performance of each of these two headphones in a Bluetooth setting. I'm just explaining that for context for people that want to know, but yeah, the neutrality of the the Levinson, as much as I can tell from just listening, definitely comes across more than it does from the Apple. That was a very long-winded answer to your question, I'm sorry.
2: So <clears throat> I also compared the Mark Levinson to the ones that I'm currently wearing, which you mm-hmm. have as well. Which is a final or final D8000. Mm-hmm. I believe you have the Pro version, the silver version. I have the original black version. Mm-hmm. I believe that the price is somewhere around maybe thirty-two ninety-five. Let's call it three K. Yeah, um, big, money. So it, it's big money. Yeah, it's big money, and it's a a planar magnetic headphone. Mm-hmm. And in my sort of headfire universe. They're living on the third tier. And I would put equal to them, even though not sounding identical, the um, Mezi Imperium.
1: I would agree with that, yeah.
2: And then above them, I would place the Hi Fi Man Susvara okay, and uh, Keneton Wodan. Interesting. And okay. above those two, I would put the Royal Requisite SR1A Ribbons.
1: Those are your favorite headphones, aren't they?
2: Yeah, but now we're talking really... Big money, big, big money. Well, big money, and we're talking really exotic, and we're yeah. talking odd-looking, and definitely you can't take those outside. Right. So I was surprised, and very pleasantly surprised, that uh, when I compared these final D8000 with the Mark mm. Levinson, that the Mark Levinson, again, it sounded like uh, more definition more mm-hmm. articulation as though you, you went from like a Texas broadcast to like a BBC broadcast where suddenly the English has a much more definitive pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Like the BBC announcer is really, really particular about how they pronounce each English word, whereas the Texan is a little bit looser and softer.
1: Yes, right. Huh.
2: And so like the, this sort of this crisper enunciation I noticed with the Mark Levinson over these, over these finals at mm. 3,000 and some. So I thought that used as a serious sort of high-end wired headphone plug into a, a good high-end headphone amp or a DAC slash headphone amp, that the Mark Levinson do really, really well. I mean, this is a serious contender that, I would, that I would sonically and resolution-wise actually rate higher and these finals at 3000 at one third the price, plus the Mark Levinson's you can take out on the street. These finals are a little bit too big. I would mm. not really feel comfortable taking these out on the street. No, no way. <laughs> you know, not, not a chance, no. Wouldn't. Uh, so, since I was a little bit critical about sort of the the look or the combination of materials, and I was also a little bit critical about the the comfort level, not uncomfortable, but not as comfortable as the small Meze. Hmm. Sonically, I thought that the engineers, and I don't know how big their team is, that they really nailed it with these, and not just sort of as a fancy mobile headphone meant to play back not full resolution files because bluetooth Mm. is not full resolution right it's lossy correct it's
1: it's still very well lossless is about to kind of make it oh i think it has already made its debut in the latest neurophone earbud but i don't think there are many phones out there in the market maybe two or three right now that are capable of of, of transmitting lossless bluetooth and even if that is possible you need to have sort of optimal can i guess less noisy conditions between the phone and the headphones so that that codec can operate at full bandwidth. Because if it if it senses that the connection is even slightly disturbed, it'll step down to a lossy level automatically. Mm. You won't even know it's happened. We, I don't even know you'd hear it. I mean, LDAC works the same way. Yeah, it does. LDAC works at like 990, 660, 330, depending upon the stability of the mm. connection. So. I mean, I'm assuming at home here with the phone literally right next to me, no other Bluetooth engaged in my apartment. And I, I don't live, I don't have a lot of neighbors. So there's not a lot of sort of Wi Fi noise in my area. So I, I'm pretty confident I'm operating 990 LDAC when I'm listening to these. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I think they are a very capable and high caliber headphone In that are, uh, yeah, could. Could I hate to say this word. It's a horrible audio. Clip. Could hold their own, but like it could definitely work in a home listening environment. No problem. No problem.
2: And given the particular DAC that I have, I ran up to twenty four ninety six kilohertz native files, upsampled to like seven hundred five kilohertz. Mm. So really, sort of quote unquote high endy nerdy stuff. Right, high-resolution files, and yes, they definitely belong. They, And that, I think, is a real... It's a surprise, it's, isn't it? It, it's, it's a surprise, and it's an accomplishment considering how much more expensive the things were that I compared them to. Mm. And this is also relative to the fact that as a noise-canceling Bluetooth headphone at 1K, that would be considered very expensive.
1: Very, yes, but then, yeah. in the
2: high-end home sector, there's life well, well beyond that. Three, four, five, six thousand euros these days for a pair of sort of designer headphones, and I think they belong into that crowd. Right. But
1: you know, one thing we haven't spoken about yet. Well, I, I will speak about this. Is the you've just mentioned it the noise cancellation? So, I mean, I just did a final check just now by putting my dishwasher on. Cause it makes a young, young kind of noise and it just makes them all it's old. So it makes of kind of all sorts of wacky noises. Now I think the AirPods max just shade the Levinson when it comes to the, the noise cancellation algorithm and, and the seal. Although I think the seal of the Levinson is better passively speaking, but I, even with that, I still think the Apple noise cancellation sort of algorithm is more effective but it's not by much. It's not like, oh, my God, again, it's not night and day, not blowing anything out of the water. So
2: can I interrupt for a moment? You, please do. You just mentioned the seal.
0: Mm-hmm. Let
2: me, just to make sure I understood this correctly, but I think you said that the Mark Levinson had the better seal, correct? Than the Apple, yes, definitely. Yep. Okay. And I think that now speaks directly to the reason why the clamping force has to be a little bit higher. Yep. Yep. and why the, the, the pillows or the cushions have to be a little bit firmer so that yep. you have the best possible seal so that would seem to be a requirement to be effective at noise cancellation correct
1: Abs- that's also my experience with noise cancelling in-ear monitors so the first there was a sony earphone called the dub w- it's a horrible name wf1000xm3 And the passive seal was not great. So that really hindered the active noise cancellation that sort of built on top of that from the outset. So when Sony introduced the XM4, the Mark IV, they overhauled the body of the earphone completely. The passive seal was excellent. So it gave that headphone a great starting point on which to build with active noise cancellation. So it's just, it's amazing. So if you compare that with, say, like an, an Apple AirPods Pro, which does noise cancellation, but the seal inside the ear, i got to say it's pretty lousy, but that's also why they're so comfortable. So you kind of swings some roundabouts, but the yeah, noise cancellation on the uh, Apple AirPods Pro, it's just, you might as well not bother with it because it's just a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit shit because the seal is not there in the first place. So yeah, I think what you're saying is you need one to, to really max out the other. That's the way I see it anyway.
2: So now back to your comments on how effective you found the noise cancellation on these.
1: Yeah, still, still very good. I mean, if we call the Apple a nine, I'll maybe call the Levinson a seven and a half, um, sort of on par with, say, like the Bowers. I guess the Sony. Uh I, I, you see, I'm going to go out on a limb when I talk about the Sony because I haven't spent a lot of time listening to the new one. But if we talk, let's talk about the XM3, the Mark III, which I've spent loads of time with. Um, The Sony, I would call an eight in terms of the effectiveness of noise cancellation. But really, I mean, we're (laughs) we're talking about some amazing engineering in terms of microphone processing, DSP, the algorithm itself, just the whole thing. I look at active noise cancellation and just think it's a modern miracle. I really do. I just think it's like room correction, but for headphones, Mm -hmm. but we're dealing with solving a different problem, right? I just think, wow, when I go outside and I can sort of mute the outside world, even when I'm not listening to music, I can just dial the background noise down. You do get grumpies kind of sort of emailing in going, well, that's really dangerous when you cross the road. So yeah, you have to be extra bloody careful when you're walking around with active noise cancellation on. But, you know, if you're sensible, you know, hopefully nothing, <laughs> nothing untoward will happen to you, but...
2: This content yeah. is for adults. Only. Yes.
1: I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, we have to have a certain amount of personal responsibility applied to these kinds of things. But I guess noise cancellation for me, where it works best is on an airplane mm. because it really does strip out a lot of the engine noise, a lot of the low rumble, which right. can be exhausting. You know, when you're exposed to that, for taking for a long haul flight, six hours, 10 hours, Not much. which is why, again, I think a lot of business travelers why and why those really kind of Kicks loads of goals with the quiet, was it the QC35? Quiet Comfort 35 headphone. I mean, I always thought they looked dreadful. They looked like the most boring headphone I've ever seen, but they did overhaul the look and feel a couple of years ago. But the AirPods Max, fantastic on a plane. I haven't taken the Levinson on a plane because I haven't flown, but I I guess that's just why I use my dishwasher as an equivalent, you know, (laughs) just so, but it still strips out a lot of the noise it's probably not quite as good as, uh, you know, as we get into the mid-range. I think the filters have to be more complex and that takes up more processing power, I think. So they're not quite as good in the mids as the AirPods Max, but I'm splitting hairs. Really, uh,
2: yeah. So now I'm curious, considering that from a stationary, high-end perspective, I consider them these Mark Levinson's priced really, really fairly Mm -hmm. because they can hold their own or be on the level with, or even superior to something that costs three or four times the money. But how would you rate them price-wise against portable noise-canceling competition?
1: Yeah, see, this is a really interesting question, right? Because your focus today as a sort of home cabled listener is what, I didn't I didn't know you were going to do this and I'm so glad you did because there's one thing I haven't mentioned yet about these Levinson headphones is that I would not wear them outdoors not voluntarily I just think the ear cup width is as it sort of protrudes from the side of my head and I'm t- I'm not talking about the size of my head I'm talking about the size of me as somebody who's 2 meters tall I'm very sensitive to the cyberman look when it comes to headphones out in the street and The, the, I guess you call it depth or width when they're on the head. I think it's just a bit too much for me to wear outside and not feel horribly self-conscious a bit. Like when I had a pair of PSB noise cancelling headphones was the M4U, whatever it was called about six, seven years ago, Hmm. they were just big meaty headphones. Right. And, and so upon realizing that I just thought, okay, but I would definitely listen to these inside the house for sure. But that, for me, is where they fall between two stalls a little bit because it's a Bluetooth headphone, it's a noise-canceling, it's just effectively like an active loudspeaker in a headphone format, right? This is how I see mm-hmm. these things. Um, so it, it would be great in a home listening environment, but would I, would I use these in a home listening environment over and above, say, a Dan Clark Eon 2? Now that's where the the question gets a bit complicated, because the Eon Two is eight hundred bucks, but the Eon Two also needs an outboard amplifier and DAC. Now I think they need something reasonably decent, so you're probably going to spend what four five hundred bucks on that. So then your total spend is thirteen hundred, or thereabouts. You might better skimp it down to a grand if you just use a dongle DAC. And that's where I think these Levinson headphones really come into their own or kick goals is that they they do sort of perform on par with those sort of home listening setups as as if you said when you factor in the need for an outboard amp and DAC because obviously with the levinsons you i mean you can listen to these as a a home listening headphone even in bluetooth mode if you're kind of okay with the bluetooth bit um and not feel like you're losing too much. Now, purists, purists will say, well, I would absolutely take the Dan Clark Eon 2 every time because it's 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 lossless and not lossy. And I I I understand that, but I think the objection to Bluetooth is or has been built upon shitty Bluetooth hardware and not Bluetooth transmission itself, or certainly not in the last couple of years. Because even though Let's take, for example, the Aptex codec, which operates at 600 uh, kilobits per second thereabouts. So that's just over half of what's needed for lossless, generally speaking. Even though it's you know using half the data, it's, it's only throwing away maybe 5% sound quality, which is the beauty of these codecs. LDAC is the same. I don't think that we are losing so much, especially once you factor in the power of DSP and noise cancellation. So like with room correction, on an amplifier and feeding it an analog signal with it from a turntable setup and all the turntable purists kind of throwing their arms in the air. And you have to kind of think about what do you gain versus what do you lose, right? So, yeah, with Bluetooth, with these at home, you lose a little bit. And, you know, with the Bluetooth codec takes something away. But I think the DSP, the noise cancellation, gives you more in return. That, I mean, that's my take, but that's me as a Bluetooth listener, not a hardwired listener. I mean, you've covered off the hardwired stuff today, so John, with them, um, you know, them sounding better than your final headphones to you. So I just think it's what I like about this headphone is it really does challenge this sort of dichotomy or artificial dichotomy in the headphone market, where you've got all your sort of traditional wired headphones over here, and then a big space, and then all your sort of Noise canceling Bluetooth headphones over here. And I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see a blurring of those two spaces. I think, especially when lossless Bluetooth really gets going, I think we're going to see more people going, Hang on a minute, <laughs> these Bluetooth headphones are amazing. So, to come bring it back to where I want to get to, the, the hardware here is excellent. And I think that's what makes this a great sounding headphone, irrespective of the Bluetooth involved in my listening. So, when people kind of dismiss Bluetooth headphones, I would want to know why they're dismissing them. Because I think they're kind of just doing it for the codec reasons and not not factoring in that hardware can be good enough to compensate for the, the loss you get from the
2: codec. So would I be correct saying or thinking that this is one of the first or one of the early attempts to sort of bridge wired and wireless headphone listening at this kind of level i think so yeah i mean
1: i think the apple do it but i think for why do i think it's lossy or well, maybe it's an analog connection whatever reason but i mean the apple the apple airpods max were I mean, when they were launched what is it last year or the end of the year before 500 plus dollars people were up in arms about the price they were like my goodness this is a very expensive headphone but i think it's worth the money because they are better than the sony and the bowers in, in my book
2: but I'm, i would wonder though would you rate them as highly if you if you ran them wired into one of your sort of fancy headphone amps that you have in your don't know, i've
1: never i mean i probably wouldn't do it ever with the apples because again i would just reach for any other sort of headphone that i have here mm. um but i I would take the Apple, oh, I have taken the Apples out of the house, and I think they're great. I I just don't think I would take the Mark Levinson out of the house. But I don't think that's the the big loss that it might sound at first to be because I just think that this is the first sort of Bluetooth headphone that I think even with Bluetooth in play could, yeah, compete with a sort of hardwired headphone.
2: And do you think as a Bluetooth headphone that it offers – Extra performance, commensurate with being yes. twice of what the oh. Apple is asking.
1: I've been thinking about this a lot recently. You know, when people write, "Well, you know, that thousand dollar unit is no way near. It's, it's not going to be twice as good as that five hundred dollar unit, right?" That's just a, such a. I won't say it's a silly thing to say, but it's a naive thing to say, because what audiophile people or what hi fi people or people who care about sound quality are buying, they're not buying. They're not making the jump from a $500 headphone to a $1,000 headphone for twice the difference. They're doing it for 5% or 10%. They're always chasing the marginal return, right? So they're just pricing that. So when people say, oh, yeah, but I bet the Apple is 95% of the Mark Levinson, I'd be like, yeah, it is. But you could say, okay, I could pick up, I don't know, the the Sonys and go, well, I bet the Sonys are like 90% of the Apple. They go, yeah, they are. And then I'm sure I could find a $100 headphone and somebody would say, well, I bet that's 90% of the Sonys that you like. Yeah, yeah, that would be. So when we're sort of spending this even twice the money, we're doing so to gain you know, an extra 10% of performance. So if we look at the sort of deltas as we step up through Sony and the Bowers, they're on the same sort of level up to the Apple, that's an extra 200 bucks. So I think the Apple is well worth it. I think it's a bit of a reach or more of a reach for the, the Levinson to you know to step up another 500. But that's me. And I know there are plenty of people out there who won't even think twice and go, sure, I can spend that. And I think a lot of people are buying it for the brand name, for the black and the red, and just they have maybe just want the best Bluetooth headphone available. Although the Teepler say, you know, they would need to, well, we would need to hear those as well. Because they sort of fall into that sort of sort of same category being a, a home listener and a portable headphone. And explicitly designed as such, right? That's the first headphone that I know of that have been announced as being, no, we designed this to be a portable headphone, but then, sorry, a, a home listening headphone, but we also put Bluetooth and amplifiers inside so you can take it out of the house. I, I don't think even Levinson went that far when they when they launched this headphone. So is it uh, you're asking me is it worth it um it's a harder sell than stepping up from the Bowers and the sony to the apple but it's not it's not an impossible sell not at all i think i mean many people listen to the apple listen to the Levinson, going no, i'll take the Levinson," because the Levinson does sound better it does
2: it does i think here it's also fair to give a shout out to the quality of the the wire harness the cable right just maybe three or four years ago uh, i've seen quite a lot of upscale headphones delivered to me with sort of questionable or sort of second-thought cabling. Mm -hmm. Somebody had clearly not paid much attention.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: I I have quite a lot of experience with aftermarket cables that upgraded the sound quality over what came stock. And I haven't played with any replacement cable for the Mark Levinson's, but Mm -hmm. I will have to say that the the apparent build quality and the resilience to like microphony Mm. When you rub the cable across your shirt, yeah, how much noise does it pick up? You know, how sturdy does it seem to be built? Uh, the quality of the connectors and all of that. I thought they did a really, really good job. I would not feel compelled to like upgrade these cables based right. on those impressions.
1: I mean, I think what we're saying is, is really that whoever, I don't know who, des- whatever design team put this headphone together, they really did pay attention to the small details, even if they're not to our Taste in terms of looks and you know
2: aesthetics. Yeah, right? no, I think they really covered the bases. I mean, this is clearly mm. a mature team that that comes from a high end perspective, and they have exposure to like high end sound, and you would expect it from a company that also owns Revel. Yes, you know the Revell loudspeakers, and obviously Mark Levinson Electronics are considered mm. to be at the very very top of the game. So if that's the reference that you're coming from. And now you're setting out to design the best Bluetooth headphone that you can and make it also compatible with wired in home listening hmm. that is informed by sort of that exposure to Mark Levinson electronics and Revel loudspeakers. yes, I think they really um if that was the design brief they definitely met it
1: I think so and and if it weren't for the 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 t plus a headphone that I've not heard, I would confidently confidently say that. These five nine oh nine are the best sounding Bluetooth headphone in the world, but because of that other rival, I, I, can't, I can no longer confidently say that because I've not heard it. But
2: and that's a German rival to boot, right? <laughs> now, now, remind me because I obviously I sent these to you, so I haven't had these in a while. But mm. uh, they, they do come with a kind of like a hard zippered pouch, don't they?
1: I've got the. Maybe we, we, yeah.
2: we should talk mm. about that because that's obviously something that you get included in the price.
1: So yeah, the packaging is—it's what you would call high end. It's certainly more ostentatious than the Sony, because Sony have really gone sort of environmentally friendly with theirs, and they've really minimised the external packaging. They've gone with recycled paper. I don't know what the recycling factor is on this packaging, but it's sort of like a—it opens up like a luxury gift box with a sort of the red tab. And you have got the headphones in the top, and that lifts out. And then, yeah, you've got a, power, a travel pouch b- beneath that in the box, so it's like a two-layer box. It's, it's a,
2: yeah, it's a yeah. Hard that reminds sh- me of like a Dan Clark, no,
1: a little bit, yeah. It's a hard shell travel case, uh-huh. um, and it opens up. And then you've got, you've got the, uh, the, uh, the single wire for analog listening, and then a little pouch. You can probably hear me unzipping it for another cable and some adapters and things like that. So it's it's re- it's really nicely done. I mean I can't and complain. It's
2: a, it. a hard pouch. So if you stick yeah. that into a travel bag and somebody sits on it no problem really.
1: Yeah, it depends on how heavy the person sits on it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's I think it's a bit firmer than what you get with the Sony or the Bowers. But not by much. But these yeah, I think it's this is fairly good. I mean this the one thing about the Sony headphones is that they used to fold up. So up until the Mark four, they would collapse into themselves and you could have a little ball and you could put it into your pocket. And I love that. But with the Mark five, they've kind of done away with that. So you can no longer fold them up. So you have to really put them in your travel case and then put that in a bag. But I think that's no, it's no a uh, big deal. I mean, it does seem to be, I think the travel case again, really mainlines this idea of it being a luxury product. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can see that from the packaging, from everything really. I don't think, yeah, from the sound, the build quality, from what you say about the cables. I, and I think actually, really, the weak link with these headphones for me is just beyond Mark Levinson's control, and that's the Bluetooth codec situation. So, I mean, I'm sure if they could implement lossless Bluetooth in these, they would have done. But I, yeah, but even then, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal to be, especially when you're working with LDAC. People might want to know, like, do I prefer the sound of these with, um, an, with LDAC running on an Android versus AAC on an iPhone? I mean, I think I hear an improvement going to the Android, but I would never swear on it, and I wouldn't be able to pick it blind. No way. So this is, this is what I mean by the Bluetooth codec thing, and the, the obsession with numbers and data rates where people can really get their teeth into an online conversation. I think it gets blown out of proportion. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not a thing. I'm just saying it's overplayed. So I think Levinson and their team, have they've done everything they possibly could to make this a first-class product. And you pay for it. But I think, yeah, I, I, you, get, you do get what you pay for. I will say that. You definitely do.
2: I would sign that. In fact, I would say that if you're coming from my old man's perspective as somebody who doesn't really do portable audio, mm. I mean, the the most I would do is sit on, you know, sit in front of the house, on a bench overlooking the river, drinking a coffee, and you know, wearing some kind of headphone, off my little portable player. Mm. Uh, that's about as far as I go these days. I would actually say that you're you're getting an awful lot sonically if you're coming from like a Sennheiser HD eight hundred perspective or this final finale D eight thousand, even a Hi Fi Man HD one thousand. Hi-Fi Man, Swara, yeah. anything by Kenneton thats upscale. Sonically, these belong in that in that sector. Right. And that's where I think uh, a multinational company like Samsung, as a, sort of the umbrella organization that owns the brand today, mm. they have you know vertical integration and and resources and buying power that allows them to really bundle a lot of quality into the dollar that you spend.
1: Yes, but also I think. More than any other area of headphones, the Bluetooth noise-cancelling headphone sector is by far the most competitive, because you've got Sony in there. I know Sony make the MDR1Z or the M whatever that high-end two-grand headphone is called, but you know you know Sony are putting everything into their noise-cancelling headphone. Same with Bowers and Wilkins, and the same and Apple, like and the b- biggest company on the planet. You know they've got so much money to to pour into an AirPods Max design. And even then, they, they haven't produced a headphone that sounds as good as the Mark Levinson. I mean,
2: I know, ostensibly, again, yeah. Ostensibly, that probably has to do with that the design team at Mark Levinson is exposed to uh, super high-end sound and is actually invested in that, whereas uh, I'm not sure that the same is as true for Apple. I mean, they say that Steve Jobs was an audiophile, and I've I heard some background stories on some of the things that he tried to do, mm. but whether that's still true today, because if it was, you would think, why has it taken Apple so long to come up with, you know, uh, Apple Music store where you can buy CD quality or higher music? See, okay,
1: yeah, people talk about Apple as sometimes as if you know, this is just just a bunch of dum dums in their engineering department, and I don't think that's the case at all. I think they got some of the best minds in. Th- on the planet as have mark levinson but i just think with the airpods max even at 500 and something dollars apple's engineering team were told you know you've got to design a headphone but the build bill of materials has to come to let's say it's 200 dollars or 300 dollars, right something like that they are under strict instruction to build to a price i'm sure that levinson were under the same instruction but obviously the bill of materials is a bit higher or maybe they were told that the target retail price and they kind of worked it backwards from there. So everybody's always, I think, generally speaking, operating under instruction to build to a certain price point, right? Every engineer is doing that, I would think. But I, you know, you hear this about Sonos. Oh yeah, Sonos it sounds terrible. There can't be, any, you know, many good engineers working for them. And I think the opposite is true. Like they can get such an amazing sound, relatively speaking, out of a $200 active loudspeaker that's like not much bigger than a Coke can. I think that's just, a, <laughs> that's just a modern marvel as well, you know? So
2: No, I was by no means trying to belittle Apple's engineering acumen. Quite the contrary. I think it has more, what I meant, more has to do with corporate culture. Right. And what you're exposed to. Like, I would not be surprised if, you know, four or five of the engineers at Mark Levinson at home or, at, or even in the factory had a really, really high-end Mark Levinson Revel system to use as a reference. That's sort mm. of their standard. And this is also what they sort of do as, as passionate enthusiasts. I'm not equally sure that Apple's engineers would have systems of that quality as as a reference. It's interesting you mentioned
1: that because in, I wrote some notes for this podcast. And I wrote down that the Levinson sound closer to a pair of loudspeakers in a room than the Apple do. I actually wrote that in my notes. So I said, "Okay, yeah, because it's clear that they have a reference. I'm sure some Apple people do. I mean, I think it would be fascinating to know whether Apple were using a Harman Target Curve to voice even the AirPods Max, even though, see, it's difficult for them because even though the Harman Target Curve has the sort of numbers behind it to suggest that a headphone designed with that response has a higher probability of appealing to a larger audience." There's also this latent idea that the man in the street just wants lots of bass, right? That's hard to shake, I think. You talk about this, so I talk to my friends and go, "Oh, I bet all your stuff's got loads of bass, has not it, John? Go, no, it's not It's not really like that. So I, I think Apple have given a bit of sort of low-end push on the AirPods Max, I think maybe to satisfy that demand out there in, in the public domain, in the mass market, right? Because that, that's a mass market headphone.
2: Yeah. Do you expect that their engineers have a very clear idea of their audience? Right, and that's
1: that's the key difference, isn't it? Right, the Apple target market is different to the Levinson target market.
2: Yeah. And I would actually, I would wonder how many, uh, how much of the buying audience that is familiar with Apple and Samsung, et cetera, et cetera, would also recognize the name Mark Levinson. I don't know how much outside of high-end audio the name actually has sort of trickled into consumer consciousness. I mean, there used to be Mark Levinson car stereos for Lexus. Mm -hmm. And they were really, really upscale, like way back when I I still had feelers out in the car audio, you know, scene. Mm -hmm. But I think if you talk to the average person on the street, whoever that might be, they wouldn't recognize the name Mark Levinson. Maybe yes, not. Everybody knows Apple, obviously. Yeah. So w-
1: my new favorite hotel in Munich, when I go to the Munich High End Show, is directly above the Harman Experience Store in Munich. Like, it's right above it. And the Harman Experience Store is a bit like an Apple store for Harman products. Mm-hmm. So they've got all the JBL Bluetooth speakers up front. But at the back, they've got a Mark Levinson turntable. They've got the JBL L- L100 Classic Limited Editions. They do have these 5909 on stand. So I, they're not invisible to the mass market, but they are sort of in sort of certain pockets. I get, I, to me, ah. this strikes well, me as a, a, like a, let me just finish this, um, like a, de, a debilé. Like a, it's a department store headphone, like a Cardeve, or, you know, like a Harrods kind of headphone. Sorry, go on, Sujan. Gonna...
2: No, I just meant to distinguish between Harman, the name uh-huh. Harman uh-huh. versus the name Mark Levinson. You and I know that, they're two peas in a pod, but I wonder whether the average guy or gal on the street actually associates Mark Levinson with the name Harman. See, I wonder
1: whether the Harman store, the, the experience store in Munich, would be better named as a JBL store, right? Exactly. Because I think JBL is a, is a far better-known brand than Harman.
2: But maybe and Harman the, is better known than Mark Levinson's Exactly. For sure. That was yeah. My point. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of brand awareness, I mean, I don't, I, I, it's very hard sometimes to know why companies make products because sometimes like the Dali core and the monitor audio were those big weird speakers that came out of Munich. Sometimes I think manufacturers just make them to show what they can do in a certain area, right? Just for the cachet, the engineering prowess. So it's hard to know whether Levinson have done these headphones for that reason or whether they really want to kind of make inroads into the Bluetooth space. I hope it's for the latter because I think they really should be better known with this headphone that is, but who knows how far they'll get. It's like everything in the hi-fi world, you know, unless it's a big name, I think they'll get missed. But I think, I I guess this is more for your sort of executive traveler. This headphone will be advertised in in in-flight magazines for sure. No doubt about it. In, especially the in flight magazine that goes in first class or business class. Um, I think that's where their target market lives. You sort of international traveler um, who, yeah, wants good sound because they're doing, I don't know, tens of thousands of air miles every year. Or also for people that want, who go to the office and they've got a pair of headphones they like, but they don't want to take a, a dongle DAC or a cord mojo and Baff about with cables, they can just take these. That's that's what I would do. You know, if I was working in an office, I would take these headphones, the levinson's over a cord Mojo and my phone, and let's say the Dan Clark, because I've mentioned them because I really like them, the Eon two. I, yeah. I would go that way because wires on on a train or a bus, pain in the ass, especially when the bus is busy and you're trying to you know, connect it all together and work out where to put the mojo. And, you know, it's
2: just, no. And then you have the tangled wires that you had this morning before yes, we started
1: with, the yeah, talk. Yeah, the 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 wire issue. I'm not saying, I'm not being hard on wire, wired headphones, not at all. I'm just saying that I think wireless, let's call them wireless headphones, are getting to a point now where they can, yeah, they can stand up against, as you said, against, you know, home Wired headphones, and people won't be so dismissive of them.
2: So at the end of the day, this also having probably been your first Mark Levinson review Mm. and your first review of a thousand euro a pair, wireless, Bluetooth, noise cancelling headphone. Were you surprised?
1: I was actually. I, I, I mean, on, on one level, I thought that the 5909 were going to be, I thought going in, they were going to have more more low-end wallop because I thought they'd follow the Air, AirPods Max model, but they didn't. And in some ways, you can kind of go, well, I could probably say that the differences between the Apple and the Mark Levinson aren't as pronounced as they sort of transpired to be but it's that sort of clarity it's those smaller differences that over the long haul i think work their magic and they're the things that people tend will value if they buy the Levinson. right it's not immediately obvious that this is a better headphone i think it just takes time to settle in right i just think the airpods max might have more instant wow factor whereas i think the Le- the Levinson is more of a slow burn so yeah i was i was very surprised that as to how good they were in totality. You know there's there's nothing about that headphone that I from a bluetooth listening point of view that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Nothing at all. There's nothing that really bugs me. Whereas would say with the Bowers and Wilkins picks 7S2 yeah the side clamping force for when I'm wearing glasses that is it bugs me a little bit, you know, so I have to that's a, that's a factor for people to wear glasses. I don't have that problem with the Apple. So yeah.
2: Now, I would add, uh, you mentioned uh, earlier a layer separation and fine detail. Yes. And and, and my similar to that was, you know, when you put the stage lights on really, really bright and you wipe out all shadows, so everything is in equally crisp contrast, no matter Mm. how far away it it is from you. Mm. This kind of clarity or transparency, however you want to call it, this, I think, is really useful when you turn the volume down. Definitely, Because the sound hangs together much longer, so conversely, you don't necessarily feel the urge to sort of turn it up for the sound to show up in full, because it's already there in full at much lower volumes. Ergo, you get to listen a whole lot longer because you don't fatigue quite as quickly, Mm -hmm. which means you actually get to do the listening more than you would with a headphone that requires you to just turn it up before you start feeling anything. And I think that's the advantage that if a "quote unquote" high-resolution design is also pleasing to listen to, so it's not clinical, it's not boring, it's not sterile.
1: No, it's not. No, no.
2: But because it sort of it comes on song so soon on the volume scale that you don't have to turn it up a lot. So I've got a question
1: for you then. So when you listened to these headphones wired, you obviously didn't power them on because that would activate the Bluetooth aerial, right? Correct. So it's purely passive. So right. So just take that idea and sort of marry it to your what you just said. When you put them into Bluetooth mode and activate noise cancellation, you're dialing down instantly your background noise intrusion. So this idea of them coming on song earlier it happens even earlier, I would think, when you've got the noise cancellation going on, because yeah, you don't have a lot of I mean yes you're listening at home it's completely quiet but what I'm saying is is that w- once you've got active noise cancellation on again that idea of low level listening is really at the forefront of my mind mm-hmm. so I'm just I don't have to crank them even out in the streets which is a really really important thing because I think that's a bit of a problem with passive headphones out in the street is you kind of have to wang up the volume dial, it's a bit risky for you know, long-term exposure to loud levels. But with, this is the great thing about noise-cancelling headphones, is they don't force you to crank the volume on them.
2: So let me ask you this then. Mm. So say you're out in the street and you're listening without the noise cancellation turn on, mm-hmm. and you take a look at your volume setting. Let's just arbitrarily say it's, it's set at 45. Mm-hmm. And now you turn noise cancellation on. Mm-hmm. Does that mean, automatically, that now the same 45 level sounds louder to you?
1: No, it, it doesn't sound louder, It just all, all the external noise is just pushed away. So,
2: so it just means you hear more, but it yeah. doesn't mean that the bass level appears to be louder.
1: Correct. You just, okay. hear, you just hear more of what's going on inside the headphone. Got it. So I guess it's a bit like if you have, let's say you're talking to somebody like two meters away, right? And let's say there's a group of people three meters away from that guy that you're talking to, and they're having a loud conversation. And then you take those three people away with a loud conversation. So you're just having the same conversation with your friend two meters away. His, his volume hasn't changed. It's just the intrusion is, is now gone. Right. And so having the, yeah, removing the intrusion of external noise, I, I guess it, it, for the brain or the ear brain, it... Less effort. It, yes exactly it makes you it allows you to relax more because you're not trying to work out oh God what's the music what's the external noise you
2: and know, you're not you're- trying to make those three background people sort of go away you're not trying right. to sort of actively shield them out right so you can focus on the guy that you really want to have the conversation with exactly That yeah. effort goes away yeah yeah
1: you know, it just it just makes for a, a less tiring listening experience in the in the long run I mean for ten minutes you're not going to notice it but yeah yeah, I just I, that's why I'm so enthusiastic about noise cancelling headphones. I mean, why, for yeah. for me, they really. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but they are the, their equivalent in the hi fi world is your streaming active loudspeaker with room correction, like the Dyne Audio Focus Thirty that I've just covered. That's the, dire, the uh, direct the ana- direct analogous Analogic? product. Analogic? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think that, of the right word. I've, I've messed the, I've messed the word up. But wait a, I guess yeah, in the headphone space you know, you've got your wired headphones. And for me, they're like passive loudspeakers. Right. And then you've got active noise cancelling headphones or even just powered headphones without the noise cancellation. So powered headphones would be like powered speakers or maybe active speakers. Because if the DSP has been used to optimise the driver's performance inside the ear cup, which I think is, a, again, a very powerful tool available to companies like Levinson, Apple, Sony, Bowers, right? So they can take a great driver and make it amazing. I just think there's a lot of potential here for people who care about sound quality as long as they're prepared to let go of their prejudice, I can say that prejudice towards Bluetooth and it being lossy.
2: So then it strikes me that if you had a balcony in your apartment, I don't know whether you do, but if you did, do. And it must obviously overlook a a busy street, I would assume, a, a rather noisy street.
1: No, it doesn't actually.
2: But if it it did, I mean, this would be the ideal headphone, right? I mean, you'd be sitting out there, getting some rays, drinking your coffee, overlooking a street with trams and buses and pedestrians walking up and down, and you're listening to music with the noise cancellation turned on. I mean, the sound quality now ought to be on the same level as if you were indoors, all windows and doors closed, maximum silence that you can possibly generate, but you now translate that experience into the wild outdoors. Yeah, it is a
1: bit like that. I mean, I live so my balcony overlooks this what you call a Hof. So I, what's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how you translate courtyard. Courtyard, yes, it's a courtyard between two rows of buildings. And on the other side of the other buildings is Friedrichstrasse, and Friedrichstrasse used to be there. Used to be cars going up and down, but they've pedestrianized it the last couple of years. So it's, it's even quieter than it used to be around here, which is great. So I don't. The the loudest thing that I'm exposed to. I've got to be careful. I say this. <laughs> are Italian tourists coming through the courtyard in a group, right? Because it's a public thoroughfare. Uh-huh. So yeah, if I was sat on my balcony, didn't want to hear the Italian tourists yammering on, just or Spanish, you know, just put the the Bluetooth headphones on oh. and away we go. Yeah, so it's just a a, a great thing for all occasions, and you're not so wired into a headphone amp at home. It's not. I mean, let's not be let's be real here. They're, they're not for, you know, somebody buying a RAL requisite headphone and the the matching amplifier or whatever the thing is called. Right. It's not for that kind of listener or the Meze Empyrean or elite listener who's just super into the best headphone experience available. It's more for a pragmatist who kind of wants to have something good at home and then also good out in the street because you can't take your Empyreans and your RALs out in the street. It's just not possible. You can, but you'd be a lunatic if you did. Some of the Japanese might do it, but you know...
2: (laughs) Well, I think from my perspective, that sort of covered what I had to say about it. Uh, like you, I was surprised.
0: Mm.
2: I was surprised how sonically mature and even handed and just sort of thoroughly engineered these are. But in hindsight, that shouldn't have surprised, you know, when we remember just how big and experienced of a company. This really is being part of the Harman Group, being part of, the, of Samsung mm. International. Mm. So yes, I think it's an ace effort.
1: I, I think so as well. I, it did, yeah. I kind of it did surprise me a little bit because I always expect headphones like this to come with a kind of a niggle or a compromise or something that bugs me. And I guess the worst thing I can say about them is I don't really like the looks. And that's yeah. probably that's probably it. And that's but that's my personal taste. I mean, that's probably the most subjective thing. That there is with audio gear but i'm extra fussy about headphone appearances because it's something you wear you don't wear a pair of speakers or an amplifier right it's a you... fashion statement well it's i won't even go i won't go that far but it's i would say it's a bit like a piece of clothing you know and i not i know it sounds like i'm splitting hairs but it's like i'm not wearing these to show off i don't know a part of my personality or whatever I mean, when you're my height, you kind of can't really wear anything too exuberant because, you know, my height height precedes me, so I've got to be play it very safe with lots of black. This is why I live in Berlin because everyone wears black. So these are good. I wish I just wish they didn't have the red accents. I don't want the red accents. Everything else fine. If they got all black, i um,
2: uh, hang on one second. I'm going to be I'm on here on the on the, uh, on the website mm-hmm. and trying to see where they show the okay. So one. Th- What we have is called the pearl black. Uh Now, if I then they have one that's pewter. Okay. And I click on that Mm -hmm. and all the red go, no.
1: They go away or no?
2: No, they show this. I think their website just hasn't updated. Right. It shows the same image, but there's one that's called ice pewter. So that suggests that it's sort of silver.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And then there's one that is called radiant red. But the pictures are the same. So I'm not. Oh, here I see. Uh, what I believe happens. Oh, yeah. What happens is that the, that the concave oval that surrounds sort of the, the turbine bit at the end, mm-hmm. all of that becomes sort of like a candy apple red. Okay. Whereas it's glossy. So the back end stays, the headband stays, the cushion stay,
0: mm-hmm.
2: the, me- the metallic rim that has the control stays but the bit in between that turns red or it mm. turns silver gray so either way you will always have that red detailing on the outer ends and on the contrast stitching of the headband right so if that red doesn't do it for you you're just not being catered to
1: i guess one thing i have omitted to point out is that the yoke and the as the arm sort of goes into the headband that's metal and with the bowers and the sony i think they're plastic the Apple headphone is a metal, but it's also sheathed. But so I think you get you, you do get a when you spend more on a Bluetooth headphone, you get you do seem to get better materials or more luxurious materials. I don't know whether metal is necessarily more luxurious, but it certainly feels that way to me. Yeah. So the, the Sony is all plastic and yeah. and feels that way, you know. So uh, maybe that helps with the, the sort of the luxury sort of look and feel of this product. Um, yeah, yeah. Is our work done for we, um, I think I think I'm all talked out for the day. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> but thank you, because that was that was really interesting because I had no idea you were going to come at these from a home listing point of view. And I'm so glad you did. Because that you know, was
2: that was purely by default, because the Bluetooth radiation just turned my brain to mush.
1: Well, you tried it and now you know, right? No, I know. Yeah, so we won't be sending you any more Bluetooth headphones.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what should we do next time?
1: Yeah, you see, part of me is curious about the T plus A, but I, we could do the same thing again, you know, with those headphones, and you could treat them as the home listening headphone. And I'll look at them from a Bluetooth point of view, that would seem to be the, the logical next step. Well, I should say thank you very much for your time, Sujan, and we'll talk about this off air. And if, hopefully, eventually, it will come to fruition for listeners. But again, Sujan, thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure. You have been listening to the Darko Audio podcast with me, John Darko, and Six Moons' Srajan Iban. This episode was produced by Nick McCorriston and music came from Ben Pitt.